Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. This morning it is not visible. Did you take the last night the the sort of the clouds that are moving in because there were some storms around us just highlighted how beautiful that moon was for yeah. early January. Did you take the boys out to see it? Did not. The boys, uh, I think they had a. Um, what is this moon deprivation? <laughs> it's not moon deprivation. It's yeah. called keeping your kids on a routine. You know, but I mean, the, you know that. The moon is visible at 5.30, 6 o'clock at night. You can... oh, we are entering the witching hour. Okay. Oh, where losses become wins and wins become losses? <laughs> the Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. So sad. That's the end of the red I know. zone. So Very sad. sad. That was the last red zone that we're going to get for another year. Yeah. That's like really sad. When they sign off and just the music's Love playing. The red zone. Yeah. Just leave the this, music on. Just yeah. off. <laughs> All right, so let me tell March you a small little story and try to evolve, involve all the people of the uh, shared fabric of this show. On Friday, Nigel showed me a picture that he said was in the New York Times on A1. On the homepage of the New York the Times. The homepage yes. is not A1 of the actual paper. Right. But you told me it was in the New York Times. And it was a sign. It just the sign said Lamar, Damar, I'm sorry, Damar Hamlin. The loyal littles wish you a full and speedy recovery. And he said, do you think that's one of ours? And I said, no. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who identify with the sort of notion of littles and loyal littles. And there's 80 million podcasts. No, there's no chance this has anything to do with us. Or just a fan group of the team. Yeah, right. It could have been like some Bill's mafia. Yeah, offshoot of the mafia. Yes. And where my thinking was flawed in this was that because I understood that DeMar Hamlin was a member of the Buffalo Bills, I just assumed this was a picture in Buffalo. And I thought, well, we don't have any real listeners in Buffalo. I don't know who we have in Buffalo who would do this. Not somebody that comes to mind right away who emails a lot. And then a couple of days later, Carol told me about this. And I said, yeah, Nigel had mentioned it the other day, but no, it can't possibly have anything to do with us. And she said, well, the caption says it's Anthony Beeson. And I go, whoa, Tony Beeson? (laughs) And then it struck me that he's from Cincinnati. Yes. And he could very well have gone to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center and written this, not for us on this show, but as sincerely as possible for DeMar Hamlin. Tony Beeson joins us now. What made you go there? What made you what made you do that? Well, good morning, Tony and crew. And uh yeah, so my wife and I were watching the game. That was last Monday night, a week yeah. ago. And uh, you know, like like millions of people, we were just dumbstruck by what we saw. So uh, you know, our hearts go out to the family, but also we have a child. We have a masculine child who's about the same age as Damar. So right. we could only imagine what the family was going through. So we joined in, you know, with the millions of people who were praying for Damar's recovery. But I, I wanted to do something further. So, uh, yeah, I thought there would probably be, you know, people who were putting signs up in support. And, and indeed, that's what happened. So just outside of the UC Medical Center, there's a fence, and uh, I created a little poster, and I didn't want it necessarily to be just from me. So, yeah, I, I put the loyal logos on it and took it down there along with some flowers and and put it up there on the fence. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> things progressed from there. We have seen these outpourings of signs and flowers all the time. I mean, everybody remembers when Princess Diana lost her life in that automobile accident, and all over the place, people had signs and flowers and candles. And you see the elongated tableau of that, but you never, ever think, my sign is going to be up. Nobody, nobody ever thinks that. You could not have thought on any level that you would have this picture taken and your sign would be in the New York Times. Am I right? You're absolutely correct. Yeah. So uh, I'll tell you, you know, I I had this little poster, and it was kind of generic, plain vanilla. And so I, I added some pictures to it. So there was a right. group of Bengals and Bills fans that had gathered in a 
candlelight visual that night on Monday night. And I had a picture of that, so I taped it to the poster. And this guy comes up behind me and he says, excuse me, I'm with the Associated Press and I just I just took a picture of you and your poster. I hope you don't mind. And, you know, I, I didn't. So, so, but I didn't think anything further of it. I thought it might be in some local press or anything like that. But the New York Times, forget about it. That's, I mean, when you saw it in the New York Times, what did you think? Well, I just dumbfounded. I just, you know, I, I had... I had no no notion that it would be in the New York Times. I didn't know that it would ever be seen by anybody else. And by the way, I didn't see it until people had posted about it. Right. Did and but the photographer, when the photographer asked you your name, did you have any sense that at least he had legitimate credentials? Because that's what what I would have thought. Well, he didn't have a press pass, so right. <laughs> but you know, I believed him when he said he was with the Associated Press, but. Again, I, I didn't expect anything to really become of it. You wrote a note. I have your note here where it says, while several people pointed out that this was in the New York Times, I've subsequently learned that the photo was also picked up by the Colleen Texas Daily Herald. So I got that going for me. I like that. I feel like I'm doing the Chuck and Roxy show now. I actually feel like an idiot. But, but when, you know, when Carol said to me, that's Tony Beeson, I went, oh, then, then the loyal littles thing. Oh, that is us. Then, how many people have you heard from? Oh, I mean, my phone blew up on Friday. Lots of people reached out. Lots of people posted, and <laughs> you know, the littles community, as you always say, there's just a tremendous connective tissue between all of us. So, thank you, by the way, then for putting that together. And by the way thankfulness that DeMar's recovery has gone so tremendously well tremendously by the way for whatever it's worth um I still have some not necessarily repertorial skills but repertorial instincts and I did talk to a few doctors and two of the doctors very specifically said to me uh, including my friend Peter in Texas that the University of Cincinnati school is one of the best in the country like by good fortune he ends up in, in a medical place that is that good. You know, I mean, it could have been some place yeah. that wasn't that good. And, and he gets there quickly and the route is planned out and the medical people with the NFL do everything they can do as quickly as possible. Because if it's 10 minutes later, if it's another place, maybe you don't get this outcome, right? I mean, you live in Cincinnati. Uh, they do know that, that that medical school is a great one, right? Uh, they do. So it has a tremendous reputation. And, you know, I mean, again, just everybody, we're so thankful that it worked out as well as it did. And yeah, I mean, it's it's shown a, a, a positive light on the University of Cincinnati Medical School. That's for sure. It's really good. Well, thank you. Later in the show, we'll try to play I Have a Piano, which is what you're best known for. <laughs> thank you, Tony. Tony Beeson, well, apologies boys and girls. in advance to the listeners uh, if you do that. <laughs> we like that. <laughs> by the way, you mentioned Chuck and Roxy. I'm episode number nine, by the way. Oh, that's good to know. Everybody needs yeah, to have their 10. number. Yeah, yeah, top ten is really good. In the AP. Maybe not in the UP. In the AP. Tony Beeson, boys and girls, we move on. Um, or the playoffs, we got to do a little bit of sports. The playoffs are set. Well, actually, we should do some golf because we're not going to do it at any other point in the show. History was made. Colin Morikawa had a six-shot lead going into the final round of the Century Open, which is for champions. Is that in Kapalua, Hawaii? Yes. In Kapalua, Hawaii. Everybody loves to watch that every year. Everybody loves to watch that in the middle of the winter. At one point, his lead in the last round was seven. He lost. It's the biggest gag. It's a bigger gag than Greg Norman. <laughs> It's a bigger gag it, than Greg It is Normian. Yeah. Wow. It's a bigger gag. Colin Morikawa is a great player. Yes. He hadn't, had a, he hadn't had a bogey all week long. He had two or three yesterday. He had three in a row on the back nine. He shot, he shot one under, and he got beat by the freight train that was John Rahm. John Rahm was 10 under on a Sunday. Oof. I, I don't know that that's ever happened. 10 under on a Sunday to win. I don't know on the PGA Tour that I'm that's I'm pretty ever sure happened. that he set a record for the number of birdies overall for the week. And this is someone who should have won in the last 
uh, year or two there and just got beat by other freight trains. I'm, uh, some of those 63s and 62s are on par 70s or 71s. This is a par 73. Yep. Right? Yes. He's 10 under on a Sunday. What are your thoughts? Uh, so I think you have to zoom out with Colin Morikawa and sort of what he represents for the face of golf, which is someone who just he's he Will Bunn's dear pal. He has won. He's a smart kid. He's won two majors. Uh, and, and you look at the way that he has tried to address his weaknesses. You, tr- you talk about New Year's resolutions. He is someone who's been uh, accepting of the fact that he is near the bottom on the tour in terms of his, his putting. And he wins in spite of that shortcoming along with his short game. And, and if you listen to Zinger, he did a great job of breaking down the why. Why Morikawa would be such a good ball striker, but that that same move that he has to hit iron so straight actually hurts his ability to, to uh, hit softer, lofted shots around the green. So you're also looking at a player who, since they've brought in the, uh, the player impact program, that bonus pool that now has been expanded, he's always been on the outside looking in. A guy who wins but is not necessarily winning the online popularity vote. So, you know, he and Wilbon do a lot of things. They, they appear at seminars. Mike's done this a couple of times with Morikawa uh, on in- inclusivity in golf. He loves Morikawa. Well, that's a gag. This, mm-hmm. this, this isn't Scott Hoke as in choke. This isn't somebody who's never won anything important. He's won two majors. He's a great player. Yeah, and, and you remember the way he won that first major with that back nine charge, taking on the shots, make, you know, holding out. Uh, this was in San Francisco. But uh, yes, I think he should have won this handedly, but you look at what the other player had to do. This, that's an all-time final round. Probably the course was set up too easy. Yeah. Uh, they probably thought that this was just going to be a cakewalk. But it's, it shows you the mindset if you break down any 18 holes of golf into you know, groups of six and you just look, oh my gosh, I'm through, the, I'm through the first third of this, I've lost a little bit of ground. And then all of a sudden you get into that final, that final uh, third and, and it's, it's already beginning After to After the away. football game, I flipped over to the golf and I saw Morikawa was down too. I, I mean, I, didn't I had no over, idea what could have happened. I didn't flip over until Rom was uh, greenside on 18 and they have Smiley Kaufman. Yeah. Uh, Fresh off the kayak with Spieth from about five years ago, <laughs> trying to catch up to see Rom's lie, and it's it's already out of hand. Yeah, I was very surprised at that. One other observation, then we'll get into, uh, we'll have Wilbon on the show, and we will have Chuck Culpepper on the show. Small observation here. If you don't think you need a great quarterback to win the title, if you don't think you do, you look at the quarterbacks who are in the playoffs, of the, in anybody's mind, if I tell you to pick the top 10 quarterbacks, then we're going to have 15 or 16 quarterbacks on a, on a chart because everybody's going to pick one or two different people. Sure. But of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL right now, the only one who definitely is not in the playoffs is Aaron Rodgers. All the other quarterbacks in the playoffs, you would say, now you wouldn't say it about Brock Purdy, and you might not want to say it, about Geno Smith, but this year Geno Smith is one of the top ten quarterbacks. Yeah. Coaching matters. Okay, you got Brady, you got Burrow, Josh Allen, Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson if he plays. Dak Prescott is having a bad stretch, but he's one of the top ten. Daniel Jones, you might not think so. Kirk Cousins, you probably have to think so, and we have to see if Tua gets back. But you. you if you don't have a good quarterback, you're not going to get in the playoffs. So when people say, well, we'll draft for need. No, 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 no. Got to get that one guy. You got to get a quarterback or, yeah. or it's, it's not going to work. That is not to say that average quarterbacks haven't won the Super Bowl because they have over time. But time after time after time after time, your chances are improved if you have a great quarterback. I feel like we're just one, turning back the clock and you're one step away from opening up the lines. But is Eli elite? <laughs> well, he certainly was one of the best 10. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but as you break it then, and particularly when you look at Geno Smith, you start to realize, like, how does one quarterback, if you're not, say, in that top five class, how do you then be the right quarterback for the right time with the right coach and the right system? Well, one of the things that helps is if you played for Kyle Shanahan. You know, and other things hurt when if you play honestly for Ron Rivera, who's a defensive guy. Yeah, he that's quarterback isn't necessarily his his deal, you know, or if you're Mac Jones and you have a defensive coordinator who's the offensive, offensive coordinator. coordinator. Right. No. Uh, we'll take out? a break. Michael Wilbon, when we return. Yes. Yes. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Brandon Costello has given us two songs. He says, I will soon be releasing a live recording of a set I played last July at Taylor Books in Charleston, West Virginia. In the meantime, here are a pair of songs for your enjoyment. I'll be playing support for the bard of the Hallmark Channel himself, Dan Byrne, at the Southgate House Revival, just this side of Cincinnati on February 4th. I'll put you on the list. It's no Kinlock, but I'll drive you around and provide finger sandwiches, which I assume is most of the Kinlock experience anyway. Brandon Costello. This is called Words. He plays in Michael Wilbon. Oh, can I can I also say? Yeah. Dan Burns playing at Jam and Java in... Is, oh, I know where that is. Yeah. Is that Vienna. A, Vienna. That's yeah, right. Past Vienna, Virginia. I believe on January 20th, which is wow. right around the corner. Yes. Wow, yeah. Make your plans. We should get him in. Yes. Uh, Michael Wilbon joins us. There's a, a million things to talk about in terms of football. The one thing that I want to focus on, because this is your, it's your division, all credit, all credit to the Detroit Lions. Hell, yeah. For being eliminated and watching it on the big screen and being on the road in Lambeau, outdoors, they're an indoor team, outdoors in Lambeau against Aaron Rodgers, who in the last five games has been Aaron Rodgers, and winning that game, what did you think of that? Really, loved it. Loved it. Loved it. It, it excited me. The only thing I was disappointed about was that the Seahawks had won earlier in the day. Yeah, yeah. in overtime, and it just made you know it, it made it it lessened it because Detroit could not get into the playoffs by beating Green Bay. And I told you last week that. If, if Matthew's schedule could have allowed it, I would have gone to Lambeau last night. I would have taken them to Lambeau. They, they, they've never been to Lambeau. They want to go. It wasn't unbearably cold. It was 21 at kickoff. Right, right. And not unbearably cold for me, although these days it probably would be. Uh, I would have gone to that. Because it would it was have such an event. And, it, and I, I actually do believe it could be Aaron Rodgers' final time. The way he walked off the field and – and looked around, and and the way he answered questions the previous day, I just thought, you know what, this could be it for him there. It, there, but not not it. Well, for maybe a period. But, well, but, I, don't you think he looks at the Tom Brady example and everybody says, doesn't "Look at Brady. Everybody doesn't live their life that way." Aaron Rodgers seems to be like an independent thinker. I mean, I, I don't need Brady as a guidepost for everything in life. Well, if he wants one more, he could go somewhere else. I mean, you know, maybe he could go to San Francisco. He could. He could go to 49ers, who seem willing and ready, if you believe the chatter, to take either him or Brady for a year. Yeah. Um, so maybe. Maybe. But it was just, it was wow. The game was wow. You got this one guy who picked him off three times this season. Uh, another pick was uh, negated by a penalty. It was just, the game was terrific. It was compelling. Um, I loved it. I loved it. I don't, you know, you know, I don't live my life by what happens in New York and L.A. I love both. I spend a lot of time in both places. I love them, but that's not that. My heart ain't in either one of those. It's it's closer to Lambeau. I and I, I understand that you had a very big day as a Bears fan yesterday. Yeah, you had a great yes, day. Tell people day. what happened. Well, I mean, they win the day. We win the day hoping they would just lose. And, and what you do is. If you want to lose management tanks, not coaches and players. Players do not tank. Players tank. do not. No. And so the Bears did what they did, which was they decided early in the week Justin Fields is not playing. Because, of course, they could beat the Vikings with Justin Fields. And, and they, they should have beat him in Minnesota earlier in the season. They had him beat. Um, and so you, you, you take him off the field so you don't have that possibility. You don't, and I kept telling people, my brother and Robbie Petty, among others, they said, what is Lovey doing? What is Lovey doing? He's ruining the draft pick. I'm like, I, 
Lovey doesn't give a damn. Lovey's not going to be around till you have the draft pick. That's right. That's right. What are you people doing? Don't be stupid. Lovey Smith knows he's going to be gone. And so you go for two and win the game, and you ruin it anyway if you're going out. So let, great, let, me, let me get to moment. this. Houston is playing Indianapolis. They have nothing to play for. They have the two worst records basically in the game. Since Jeff Saturday got there, they've lost in terrible ways. They won one game and then they lost seven. And Houston has nothing. They're not a good team. They're like, I don't know, two wins, although they've been playing people tight three or four of the last five weeks. At the end of that game, Houston gets an unbelievable touchdown Great. with no time to go. It's, it cannot happen. No. The touchdown they get cannot happen. They get it, and then they go for two. And I immediately wrote down, they go for two. You agree, question mark? Of course you uh, do, right? Yeah. Because you do. You try to win. Of course yes, you do. Lovey wants to win that game. His players want to win that game. He and half of them are, are not going to be on the roster next year. That's right. So what does he care about tanking? So the corollary benefit is what for you? The Chicago Bears get the number one pick. Right. Now. I think for the first time since like 1947. Really? Wow. I think. We lost a coin flip for Terry Bradshaw. How'd that end up? Mm. Not good for you. The Steelers and Bears went 1-13. and The, The only time in Bears history where they lost as many games was 1969. And Terry Bradshaw, who has great stories about it. Terry Bradshaw, back at Tony before the draft became a national damn holiday for the NFL and ESPN. The draft was guys got a phone call. That's right. And somebody said, hey, you got drafted by the Baltimore Colts in the 15th round. So report for work in a week. Terry Bradshaw told me, knowing I'm a Bears idiot, he told me this story a couple of years ago about going fishing that morning. And he told his dad, I'm going to get drafted by the Chicago Bears today. I'm going to go play with Gail Sayers and Dick Butkus. And that's what he wanted. And he comes back home, but he finds out that, like, in the same day, there was a coin flip, and the Bears didn't even get the pick. Pittsburgh got the pick. I mean, it just, you know, it shows you not everything has been a big deal for forever. No. But so the Bears get the first pick. Um, which we all want to trade down. Well, I was going to say, you have Justin Fields, who you believe is a quarterback yes. worth keeping. Yes. And it's always the first, the overall number one pick is always, well, who's the big quarterback out there? But you don't want that, so what no. do you want? It's what we need. We need yeah. a pass rusher, a left tackle, and a wide receiver. It's not a good year for receivers. The kid we want, Marvin Harrison's kid at Ohio yeah. State, is... Yeah. It's like Cade, Caleb Williams. He's, he's not draft eligible yet. He's got to go play another year okay. in college. So you got this kid at Georgia who was the best edge rusher, another kid at Georgia who was the best defensive interior lineman, and the best left tackle is from Northwestern, Skronsky. Really? Oh, yeah. Rated and by every single scout as the best left tackle. Now, you know me. I don't pay attention to the draft. You just wait till this year. <laughs> yeah, this will be a big year for you on the draft. You'll be a geek. You'll be calling you up know, Mel Kiper. I, I, told, I told Matthew, he was running around telling me about, you know, he's at that age now. He's at that age where, you know, he played with Pat Fitzgerald's kids growing up. And Pat Fitzgerald's kid is a lineman. He's like thought to be the best high school lineman in America. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, going to going to Northwestern. He's paying attention now to kids in college because sometimes he knows them. That's weird. Because they go to Gonzaga or yeah. they go to Good Counsel or they go to they go up here. They go to you know. And he, I said, okay, you you want to talk draft? You better study this. I don't want to hear your opinions yet. We're gonna we're gonna go through the draft. We're gonna know every great offensive lineman and every great defensive. Give him Kuiper's number. He, yeah, Kuiper will take his call. Yeah, I want no. I want him to. I want him to read. I want him to get do the research. Right. And I'm gonna do the research. I want uh, the, this is it. This, this guy, the Bears GM, the new GM Ryan Poles. I think his name. Do you is. like him? You like the coach? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. You like the coach though. I like the coach so far. Right. But Tony, the Bears did this once. 1983. They didn't have the pick, the one pick. But in in one draft, they drafted three Hall of Famers. In one draft, including Richard Dent in the, wait for it, eighth 
round uh, of the draft. Wow. They got Willie Galt. They got, you know, two linemen, Covert maybe, and Thayer, and Bortz. They got three all-pro linemen in one draft. Well, look what the Steelers did the year after Bradshaw. They, yeah. They got three Hall of Fame guys. That's right. So, you, so this is about scouting now. So the Bears, so that kid's fate, Justin Fields' fate, is in the hands of a GM and scouts. Old-fashioned stuff. Is there any chance that the Bears would take Victor Wimbanyana? Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I would trade all the picks and maybe the franchise <laughs> for the right to do that. Let's, let's do a philosophical question now. I was thinking of this when I had the dog out this morning. There are, in my mind, four candidates for Coach of the Year. Four. Any one of whom would be good. Brian Dayball, who made the playoffs with the Giants. Giants were 4-13 and 13 last year. Doug Peterson, who made the playoffs with Jacksonville. Jacksonville was wretched because Urban Meyer was unfit to coach in the NFL. Dan Campbell, who had a winning record on a team that is yeah. awful beyond words, and Mike Tomlin with a bad team yeah. and a rookie quarterback once again finished above 500. Any of these guys, any, if you tell me you're voting for him, fine. That's right, any of them. I don't have, I don't have a preference. You don't have I mean, a horse I'm, in the race? No, no. But those I, are the I'm four, the right? Those are the four. Um, yeah, but I hadn't thought about this one, Tony, so I don't know if there's oh. somebody else. Um, I mean, what about, what about Shanahan, who loses his starter and his number two yes. and wins ten games in a row? Yeah, yeah, but he had, uh, you know, they got Christian McCaffrey. They had a yeah, squad. But if you lose your quarterback. Well, that's, you're right. You're right. I mean, you lose, you, you lose your starter and your two. I hadn't thought of that. I mean, so I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, 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 yes, yes, you, 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 you present people who all are worthy. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 I could vote for anybody. I don't vote anymore for and I don't cover the NFL. I don't vote for that stuff like I do in the NBA where I, I actually got to know that because I'm a voter. Um, but, yeah, any of those candidates, there are probably a couple more in the NFL who who deserve serious consideration. Um, but, you know, Detroit's story is a great story. Um, I, just, I just, it's too bad that game didn't mean. And you know, and I'm, you know what, to hell with the Packers. To hell with them. Get out. Go home. Tired of you. Tired of you. Um, I felt yesterday that if anybody, and people do this all the time, they say, well, there's nothing to play for, they're going to lay down. Athletes don't do that. No. You look at the Rams, you look at the Panthers, you look at the Broncos, you look at Washington. Athletes don't do no, that. No, if they, if, when, they don't. when athletes get disappointed, it's because they think they've been failed in the place that they are by management or, or coach or, or, coaches. or they've got a, a disagreement going on in, within a team, within a locker room. And that's what, when you, when you see dispirited teams, dispirited individual players on a team, that's what produces that. Did you not, see, did, did you watch any of the Washington game? Oh, yeah, they like that. this quarterback as much as they like Heineke. That's how much they hate Carson Wentz. That's right. They hate Carson Wentz, and Ron Rivera didn't appear to know it. <laughs> right. Just, how can it's, you not know it? It's unthinkable. Don't you talk to the offensive coordinator? Don't you just sense, don't you go to practice? Ron Rivera is not a dope Oh, there's a football lifer. Yeah. He's wearing a ring. He got this so wrong. And he it's played, he's a backup. He's a backup to multiple Hall of Famers. Yeah. Just... So, the backup to Singletary and Otis Wilson and, and Wilbur Marshall. He, he, come on. He understands what it's like to come off a bench or to be, be called upon or need it. Ron, Ron Rivera is a smart li- football lifer. Okay. And to get that wrong last week, listen, if they had started this guy last week, they'd have beaten Cleveland, and they, not the Packers, they'd be or in. Seattle, not no, Seattle, I, I really, would be in the playoffs. This kid was better than I thought. I mean, it's like, you want, what took you so long? I mean, this but, kid but, was but better. Tony, even if that kid had failed, it wouldn't have been a matter of they don't want to play with him. That's right. No, that's right. All right, one question, I'll get you out of here. The Broncos say they will interview Harbaugh. And Sean Payton. There's no doubt in your mind that Sean Payton is the better candidate, right? No, but, but Sean Payton I don't know, think was he takes rumored that job. to want other jobs. Now, yeah. the, you can't fire the San Diego coach 
coming off making the playoffs. You can't. You can't fire him. No. So that, that may not, that won't be available. Um, I tell you, there could be other jobs available. Yeah. Well, there are, that, but not. And, and, and it could be, people can fall in love with somebody when they sit in a room with them. Um, but, you know, I, I'm of the opinion, and I told you this week three, when it was evident to anybody paying attention that the newly hired guy who's coaching the Denver Broncos was terrible. a failure. A terrible. terrible choice, a terrible hackett, terrible choice for a head coach in this circumstance at this time. I told you all year, nothing is wrong with Russell Wilson that an actual competent breathing coach could not fix. Yeah, you and I disagree on that. I think yeah, he's do. old and he's yeah, he slow. He's slowed down, and the thing he, he did best, he he's has. lost. He still knows how to play from the pocket. Too. He can play from the pocket. And, um, he, and, and this is a league in which... There's only 15 quarterbacks out there that are any damn good. And virtually so all of them can't make Russell playoffs. Wilson work better no, than this. Can, better than this. Without, yes. Oh, my God. And so, so, so now I've got to turn into the biggest Denver Broncos fan of all time, no matter who the coach is, because I don't think it'll be hardball. I, I, just, I don't know. I just don't. Maybe it will be. Um, people forget. People don't have any idea that Harbaugh is the guy who elevated Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick. Harbaugh knows how to make a, a quarterback better. He and was a quarterback. Developed Colin Kaepernick, that staff. He was a quarterback. He and knows. Elevated him and put yes. him in there. That's right. That's right. And benched Alex Smith. That's right. Who had had a great year the year before. So Harbaugh knows what he's doing, and maybe he he'd be the guy. He played the position. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so that right. would be interesting. So let me not say it won't be Harbaugh. Let me not say that. Sean Payton just, also played. I'm the rooting position. for Russell Wilson now, who I know a little bit. Um, I'm rooting for him because I, I, I'm convinced that head coaching in the NFL has never been worse than it is now. So what you're going to see, no, by the end of next year, you will know if Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson or Matt Ryan. That's, That's what right. you'll know. That's right. By the end of next year. There won't, you right. won't need a third year. You won't. No, you, you'll, you'll know this probably by week six. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. You know, and so it, it, you know, th- there are a lot of things you know, to be determined, and now we get playoffs. So I got to tell you, I, the playoffs are not particularly sexy. I mean, the matchups in week one, the matchups next week, they're not, they're not that great. And part of this is, and I, you know, I'm not a guy who cares about the tradition of having certain teams in any playoff. But you don't have the Steelers, you don't have the Packers. Um, you just, just you said know, to hell with the Packers. <laughs> that's right. Five minutes ago. That's right. I'm glad. I'm glad they lost. Okay. That's me. All right. It doesn't mean that the playoffs are elevated without them, but the playoffs are not. They, look, and the games may wind up. They may turn out great. They may. But going in, I'm like, eh, All right. eh. It's not, you know, it's not a, a sexy tournament so far when you present what's on paper going into next Saturday. All right, I'll talk to you later. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, we'll take a break. When we come back, Chuck Culpepper will join us. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Brandon Costello, one more time. Again, he's going to be there playing with Dan Byrne at the Southgate House Revival. On February 4th, and Dan Byrne is going to be in Jam and Java in Vienna, Virginia. I believe on January 20th, you said? Yeah, January 20th. I'll double check that. But um, You can listen to Brandon Costello at the end of me babbling. Michael, if people like our friend Brandon Costello or anybody's friend wants to send us original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. This is called Climbing. It plays in Chuck Culpepper, who's going to cover the national championship tonight we're on early by the way we're on at 4 30 today to make room for 46 straight hours of pregame nonsense as long as we have chuck let's ask the obvious question how was thailand oh i had been in qatar for 35 
days in a row. So I went to Thailand and just fell asleep. And I sort of thought, <laughs> if you're going to just fall asleep, well, it's one of my favorite countries in the world. But if you're going to just fall asleep, you might as well just go home, you know? Right. So, so restful, I would say. Is there anything you did other than sleep in Thailand? Oh, not really. I, oh, I, I got one for you. There was a baseball writer named Danny Nobler, covered baseball for 23 years, and married a woman from Thailand, and they own a sports bar in Pattaya, which is a, just a zany party city there on the, on the water. And um, I went to his sports bar for a few nights and talked. I've known him for a long time, so that was really fun. The whole world kind of stops by that bar. You, know, you meet people from all over the world in there. So I have three people here, myself, Nigel, and Michael. And when we heard sports bar in Thailand, we all sort of looked at each other. <laughs> it's the last place on earth we would expect to have a sports bar. Is it for expatriates? You know, or like what do they put on TV at a sports bar, given the time difference, given the cultural difference? What's on TV? You know what's on TV all over the... Uh planet and so it's there is the english premier league uh-huh and so you know you might have a, a match that's starting in england at uh you know 3 p.m and that'll be let me see if i get this right that'll be 10 p.m in thailand i believe so you'll have you have people from uh you know from whatever city it is in uh i'm trying to think of what it was that day it was a kind of a a match in the championship, which is the second tier of English soccer. So not the premier league, but there was a match, uh, a rivalry match. I'm trying to think of what it was, but anyway, there were people from those two towns who now have retired to Thailand or live in Thailand and who, who stopped by to watch that. And then all of a sudden, Oh, it was bizarre. All of a sudden about 1am, the camellia bowl came on <laughs> from the U S. So, <laughs> Ah, that was strange. That was when you kind of don't know where you are or anything. So. This is going to really annoy Wilbon, the notion that the NBA isn't on 24 hours a day in Thailand. That's oh, it's, gonna, it's yeah. there. You can, it's on there, yeah. <laughs> you travel a lot. You've lived in a lot of different places. What do you, is there one thing you look for when you decide, I'm going to go to this place for a week or so, this is why I'm going to go? I think it varies based on, uh, you know, whether I've been at a 35-day yeah. event before that. and um, But I do like to go to sort of frontier for me, places I haven't been. And I really wanted to go, for example, to Laos yeah. on, that, on that trip. And I've never been there. And I, I was just, and, and I really love Cambodia. And I was hoping to go back to there, which I went to after the... Uh, Olympics in Korea in 2018. So, I, but I was too tired to make it to Laos this time, or, or too asleep, I right. would say. And so I, I try to look for, for uh, when for frontier for me. When the World Cup was in Russia, I went after that to Lithuania and Latvia and Estonia, and just kind of made my way through. And um, yeah, I, I, I've kind of come to love being in places. Uh, where I'm just completely out of my uh, norm, even though I guess you could say after a while I, I don't really even have a norm, but I've, got, I've gotten addicted to that rush of being in a completely unfamiliar place. We could not be more different, you and I. <laughs> I would go to Disney World at the exhibit of Lyles and think I was there. We could not be more different. We move on. You're now in L.A. for the college championship. TCU and Georgia, are you okay with those two teams? Or did you think that should be one of the other teams? I think I'm okay. It's, you know, and those two games very easily could have been entirely That's different right. teams from That's those right. two semifinals. It's all, it has a sort of a March Madness feel to it this time that it's, that it's really never had. You know, if you look back through these semifinals through the first eight years, a lot of duds in there. You know, a lot of... Um, games that were by the third quarter you could file your story and have and you know have the editor fill in the score yeah. at the end um so these two games frenzies both of them and so we've wound up with it's an i think it's an odd final it's 
it's funny to I was at the beach at Santa Monica yesterday. It's kind of cold, but I was there and uh, watching the you know the TCU fans in their purple have come and it's it's very it's curious to think they're in the final. You know they're they're kind of like if we looked at it in basketball, Butler or Loyola Chicago or St. Peter's teams that made runs. You don't have to win as many football games to to make a run within this tournament, but you know it's. It's they're they're fresh. They're they're a darling. They're entirely unexpected. They were five and seven last year, six and four in the in the main COVID year, and five and seven before that. They got four players who've been in bowl games before, and you know everybody goes to bowl games now. So it's very very strange. If I was part of the establishment of college football, I would want TCU to win this game so badly. Because I could say to the world, we are not just the SEC and the Big Ten. We are not. We are a national sport. Don't you get that sense that that's what the establishment would like? Yes, and that's, you know, in a, in a way, the sport, well, in a big way, for 100-plus years, it's been a sport of these kingdoms, you know, who, who reign over everybody, and it's very hard to break into the group. The fact that Miami did it in the '80s and became a new powerhouse yes. was, you know, is really a, an accomplishment in the history of the of the sport. And so, um, and so that has intensified in the playoff era. And, I, and it's it's kind of counterintuitive that it has intensified in the playoff era. It's supposed to open it up to more people, but TCU would be it's. It's not really in the southeast. I guess it's not in the southeast at all. It's kind of close. Yeah. But, you know, this thing, when you look at the teams who played in the finals of this thing, is so heavily tilted to the southeast. Clemson, Alabama. Yeah, yeah, Georgia. LSU. LSU. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, speaking of Miami, just as an aside, I say this a lot. Um, The greatest quote I ever got from anybody, from an athlete hanging around, was from Michael Irvin at the U when he said, that's us, number one UPI, number one FBI. Just <laughs> the greatest single quote. I love Michael Irvin. Of all the things that I look at in this particular game, the thing that stands out most to me is that Stetson Bennett the fourth is 25 years old, Chuck. He's yeah. 25 years old. What do you make of that? Well, you know, there was a time when he had gone to Georgia and then he'd gone off to a, a community college in Mississippi. And then he came back to Georgia. I remember we're at one game, they were playing Auburn. It was in the 2020. So the fan number total was limited, you know, to the social distancing and they were just mauling Auburn. And, and, and so we were reading up on him and, you know, he, he had this photo from the junior college and then a photo from Georgia that showed how, when you get to the SEC, they kind of give you a haircut and clean you up for yeah. your photo. And it, that seems so long ago that we're just looking at that and just learning about this guy. And here he is still, still, you know, still in the midst. Still, still a college and, quarterback. Get out of college. Yeah. Pat Forty told us last week this was fantastic. I said, he'll no, not go to the NFL, right? He goes, no, nah, he's going to have a, a Chevy dealership. He's never going to play in the NFL. He'll never pay for a meal in Georgia, and he's going to have a Chevy dealership, right? right. I mean, you know, right. 25, get out of here. Um, I, am, I am one. Wilbon got angry at this because he loves Caleb Williams. So, But I said after about, I don't know, 10, 12 weeks into the season, I would have named Max Duggan the Heisman winner. I thought he did more with less than most, and I just think he's a really good quarterback. What are your thoughts on him? You know, remember the the uh, and it's seared in our memories the Miami San Diego playoff game, the great one with overtime yeah. and yeah. Kellen Winslow being yep. being uh, his teammates had to help him off the field. I think he blocked two field goals in addition to catching you know thirty passes in that game, whatever it was. I hadn't really seen a player who made me think of of that game so much as Duggan in the, in the Kansas in the game State game. Lost yeah, year. in the Kansas State yeah. game. He's one foot and, from the goal line. I, I mean, he, yeah. he did the fourth quarter. It was They had one player. It was him. That's all they had. And that drive where he 
the drive is 80 yards long, but he rushed for about 95 during it because penalties were in it, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, and that driving, it just, it's just he's that kind of guy, you know, and then he's crying afterward, which I was one of my favorite yeah. things. It just shows you that's the guy I want on the team right there. You know, um, the, I, the Heisman, I, I still want us to give it to a defensive player someday. I'd like to see that. And, but it does kind of baffle. You, you can make a case. I hate to say it this way. You can make a case for, uh, you know, three or four players. I think that. that's true. Who do you like in this game? Do you have any sense going in? Well, I, I, I really like Georgia. Yeah. Here. I, I just think it's, it's too, a bit too much. And I, and I think they're so, they're so seasoned in the fact that they climbed their Mount Alabama that kept knocking them down until last year. And, they got through that. I, some some points of this season, they've played some of the best college football that I can ever recall seeing played. Um, you know, it's, you can't keep that up. I don't think it's possible for teams to keep that up. Very rare. I went to their early game against South Carolina, and I thought this is just this is just you know really really high level. So they're capable of that level. I think they might grab grab it tonight or get close to it tonight i really really like them i hope they don't win by a lot i mean i i hope it's a relatively good game i'm okay with georgia winning because i think over the last two years they've proven who they are and it's fine i just would right hope right. it's not some sort of romp where you go oh boy it's a lousy game uh the only well, other could... question we have for you of course to get you out is you're all the way out in california where are you where are you going next is there some are you <laughs> going to fiji i mean is there some place you're close to you're going to I I was actually going to decide that on Tuesday. Mm. So so I think I might come to uh I think I'm actually headed to exotic Virginia. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, that's yeah. That's a good yeah. spot to go to. Chuck, enjoy the game. Thanks so much as always. Thank you for all of it, Tony. Thank you. Chuck Culpepper, boys and girls, we'll take a break. I'm Tony Kornheiser. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's Banjo music. Yeah. I love banjo music. Remember when Steve Martin used to play the banjo in yeah. the middle of his comedy set? And not just strum it. Like, no, he was great. He was phenomenal. Yeah. Always loved the banjo. It's great. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Yes, got the bagel sandwiches today. It's always a great day for us. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That's just about it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, you certainly don't, pal, because the good news is you're fired. The bad news is you've got... All they've got, just one week to regain your job starting with tonight. Starting with tonight's sit. Oh, have I got your attention now? Good, because we're adding a little something to this month's sales contest. As you know, first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Anyone want to see second prize? Second prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. Um, This is part of the play Glengarry Glen Ross. In the movie Glengarry Glen Ross... This role is played by Alec Baldwin, who comes in and does this. I had forgotten the name of the play, but I knew, and Nigel helped me with that, but I knew right away what it was from. Oh, sure. um, Because it's David Mamet. And David Mamet, in the latter part of the 20th century in America, is the best playwright. Absolutely. I'm not comparing him to Arthur Miller. Right. I'm not doing that. In the latter part of the 20th century, David Mamet is the best playwright. If you have not seen that movie, it's quick. (laughs) See it. Yeah. You will not forget it. 
Yeah. Um, did I you do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Returns I to that character oh, in SNL, we, too. I, yeah. I want to point out the... Um, Long Island Boy. All the Baldwins. Santa's Workshop. Oh, all the oh Baldwins. yeah, I've got to watch that. Massapequa. In fact, Billy Baldwin wrestled at Binghamton. Um, really? Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah. I, I'll, I want to give credit to Lenny Bernstein, who was the one that first texted me the photograph of uh, what turned out to be Tony Beeson's... Uh, Unbelievable. We're like, is this? I was so dismissive of it. <laughs> well, it couldn't be us. Mm. Turns out it is, so thank I you I have that, a piano. <laughs> we should play that tomorrow. Thanks to our guests yes. today, Michael Wilbon and Chuck Culpepper. Thanks to our sponsors, ZipRecruiter <laughs> MeUndies. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. Get the show through Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. Joe and Molly Chambers play the piano, uh, play the banjo and sing for us. That was lovely. Just great. Okay. For, for those asking, Nigel TK Nerve is still alive. No miracle cures for dad, but no. Get the cash. Took the sweater. last shot I could take. TK Nerve. Maybe some marginal improvement. I got to talk to Caleb Kroll about this to know what to look for. Mm-hmm. From Thomas Bramble, I'm not sure if I can say anything witty or smart enough to get your attention, so I'll just be honest. I started watching the pardon, pardon the interruption around 2005 when I got out of the army the first time. I watched you and Mike Wilbon religiously in 2008 when I got recalled by the Department of Defense to deploy to Iraq. Pardon the interruption became more than just an intelligence sports show piped in through the American Forces Network in Baghdad. It was a piece of home I miss so dearly. Without getting sappy, PTI has become a mainstay. I DVR the show on cable and I subscribe to Sling TV just in case the DVR records some other crap I don't want to watch. <laughs> it's not. It's the only show I watch every day and when you guys are not on, my day is not the same. Just ask the woman to whom I'm related by marriage. Now I have the joy of listening to the Tony Kornheiser show on my way to and from work every day. As your illustrious career has evolved through the years, so is mine. I now own a wine company based out of Napa, California, TB Cellars, as the TB would stand for Thomas Bramble. As the astute food and wine aficionado you are, I would love for you and the crew to try my Napa Cabernet Sauvignon. I named it Otage in or Otage. In French, it means hostage. The things I am most passionate about in life have held me hostage to some degree, good, bad, or indifferent. Thank you for the passionate work you do every day and allowing me to be part of it as a viewer and listener. And then tell me where to send the juice. Yes, this is a shameless request for you to plug my wine. It's fine. That's fine. I'm happy to do it. (laughs) Right? Described as a beguiling, intricate beauty. TB Cellars, baby. In Napa. It's so delicious, it's a win-win. And if I had a story about anything my dog ate of significance, I would include that too. On a side note, I studied broadcast journalism in college and won the Brumfield Excellence in Journalism Award for Broadcast Journalist of the Year in 2009. And this is the important clause, while deployed in Iraq. Wow. And then he writes literally anything to get your attention. Yes, you can send us. Of course you can. (laughs) Jay Manning, thank you so very much for writing your experience with FedEx is not okay. It is a great representation of the decline in both customer service and the overall customer experience. It is my hope that this email helps you solve your problem and prevent any future misdelivered package from FedEx. I've enclosed the following context in the FedEx leadership team. Not surprising, but I found that if you go straight to the top, the bottom gets the message a lot faster. Mm. And there won't be any, is there anything else I can help you with? So I got some senior VPs. I'll be calling them later in the day. Can you identify the package? Uh, I can't. The well, one without Tony Kordizer on it? My name's not on it. Um, uh, from Dan Gould in Independent Lake Camp, one more time. Some thoughts about my last email and your response. Sorry about the misspelling of Kiuma. I'd blame it on autocorrect spelling, but it's not true. It was me. You take on what camp meant to you and how it has affected the rest of your life. It was so well said. Parallel to your take on sports in general. I'm 71 years old. I have a very similar take on my youth camping years. Over my ownership the last 30 years, most important is that camp is still camp. It still does all the things it did for you as a youth. Finding oneself in one's voice. The style has changed, but the heart of the matter is still the same. It was great to hear your story and remind me of the magic camp has for people. We make a difference in people's lives every day. So that's very, very nice. John Schissel writes about the power of community. Native and proud Washingtonian, lived in many cities throughout the United States, back in D.C. now. As a fellow Cancerian, I was born July 18th. You may know that we are nostalgic in addition to being intuitive and empathetic, which despite your many protestations, I think you are very intuitive and empathetic. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. (laughs) Please know uh, that as I and many other listeners to your podcast, the informal community of listeners of which you are the axis has more meaning than you may know. The power of media is that it provides a connection and community to individuals bigger than themselves. So as we listen to your show each week, um, you help take the daily stresses and often unresolved complexities of life off our minds. And we bond through the shared experience and discussions that you and your crew invite us into. 
So imagine the connections by the Littles and seeing that sign uh, in support of DeMar Hamlin that was posted in the New York Times. The nostalgic element is that someone from New York City by way of Lindbrook and Camp Kiyuma and who is now a true Washingtonian has taken on a multi-decade journey and positively connected with your listening community in a week that started off with a collective sense of tragedy and sadness and ended with a shared joy of progress and support offered by millions. That's a lovely, lovely sentiment. And now let's get to the things that we're really about from Troy in Denver, Colorado. (laughs) The name of what your dog, the, the new game of what your dog ate is just wonderful. I've got a golden retriever named Murray who turns 15 on January 16th. That's next week. Happy birthday, Murray. We've got a phrase that we use called Murray things that my dog just picks up and brings to me. Living in Colorado and being a hiking dog, he's picked up and rolled into some interesting things. They all roll into like yeah. dead things. Yeah, they love They it. roll into dead things so that their the smell, the smell of the dead thing gets on their body. Anytime I see Chessie out in the back rolling, I know something's dead. Yeah. Um, for example, on various hikes, he has retrieved with enthusiasm a deer leg, an elk skull, <clears throat> a snapping turtle shell, and multiple old soda cans that seem to be from the early 1970s. He's rolled himself into what can only be described as deer murder scenes that changed his coat from golden to red. He's almost fallen off of 2,000-foot like cliffs at 14,000 feet chasing marmots. Um, is that how it's pronounced? Marmots. Marm- marmot. Marmots. Chasing marmots. I like marmots but, better. Marmots. Yeah, marmots. Marmots. But the most amazing thing he has done is when I was making barbecue sauce, I went shopping for the ingredients and I forgot a spice. The grocery store was a little over a mile away, left a few groceries on the kitchen counter and was gone no longer than 15 minutes. When I got back, a two-pound bag of brown sugar, a loaf of bread, and half a dozen donuts, just gone. Murray had no interest in looking at me. In my life, I don't think I could accomplish what he did in the amount of time I was gone. That's Troy (laughs) in Denver. From Joe Pearson in Indianapolis. This new game makes me laugh every time. The only thing my dogs have ever eaten was that was unusual was books. But get this, the only books they ever ate were books I got from the library, which of course I then had to buy. (laughs) Do library books have some special dog attracting aroma? Who knows? Anyway, more dog stories. Tyler Iman in Nixon, Missouri. Let me start off by saying that I own a black lab and she's a perfectly well-behaved little angel. My roommate, however, has a 120-pound cane corso named Maximus who can occasionally have a mind of his own when it comes to behaving like he should around food. One day I was planning on having a lovely young lady over for a dinner that I was to prepare for the both of us. I spent the better part of the day marinating, seasoning, and grilling Try tip roast for us to eat. Ooh. A few minutes before she was set to arrive, I had everything ready. And I said, all right, let me run to my room real quick and change my shirt. I was in the bedroom for 45 seconds. <laughs> when I rounded the corner to the living room and my eyes met, but all 120 pounds of Maximus standing on top of my dinner table, <laughs> licking the entire fat cap off of my tri-tip. He avoided all cutlery and dishes on the table and managed to ruin the entire roast I'd worked on all day. The lovely young lady and I ended up ordering a pizza. And while that relationship never managed to become much of anything, Max is still giving my plate a longing look every time I cook a tri-tip. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, you know, It's phenomenal. Okay. And to get us out on something funny from Patrick Sitter in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Never thought I'd have anything in common with a cat named Corky, but I'm not comfortable with a ribbon in my anus either. If you're out on your... Bye tonight, everyone. As always, do wear white. Come on, man. Well, what are we doing out there, man? <laughs> the passage of the moon. And I would hold your hand in the 
absence of a place she wants to be Tonight I need a song to break my heart Tonight I want to make you love me Words are just words until I write them down For you and me we've got something This man doesn't own a thing But a heart and a knife and a path to the queen All he does is burn down hearts In the absence of what she wants to find Tonight I need a song to break my heart Tonight I want to make you love me Words are just words until I write them down
Everybody has this doubt Everybody has this ache Everybody wonders if it's gotten too late You don't wanna struggle anymore You don't have to struggle 